0: So I heard this story this week of a man who, um, you know, was working on the concrete in his driveway and just laying it out real smooth and got finished, was proud of his work, was going into the house, pour him a fresh glass of lemonade. And, and, and then he, uh, he looks outside and he sees a, a little boy playing in the fresh cement. And so he goes outside, you know, like grumpy old dad and starts yelling at this kid and runs him off. And, and then he fixes the concrete, gets it, gets it back to working order, and, and, and then comes back into the house. And the wife goes, hey, hey why did you yell at that kid? Don't, I thought you liked little, little boys. And he goes, well, I do. I like little boys in the abstract. I don't like them in the concrete. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen... Uh, Great story. Uh, This is oftentimes how Christians view Christianity, particularly view obedience to God. We love the idea of loving God abstractly, but we struggle with actually the steps of obedience to loving God. We love talking about how much we love God, But when it comes to actual self-sacrifice, rubber meeting the road, actually doing something, that's where we struggle. We we love getting in groups to talk about God, to study about God, but when it actually requires us to to do something, to go somewhere, to, to say no to something, that's a lot harder. Obedience is a lot tougher to walk in. It's far easier to just talk about loving God in theory, but not loving God in actual. We've been in Nehemiah, and they've experienced spiritual renewal, but so often what we experience spiritual renewal as is a lot of feelings and no like movement. We feel a lot of things about God, but oftentimes does that actually translate to any, any kind of sanctifi- actual sanctification, actual change, actual obedience to His Word? and so what what is happening in nehemiah again just backstory real quick nehemiah is burdened by the broken down walls of jerusalem he comes into jerusalem organizes the first half of the book is him organizing the people to rebuild the walls the temple was rebuilt by ezra he rebuilds the walls he comes in then and he says okay the walls are rebuilt we've got security we've got temple now let's go to the word they they begin to open the word they realize they've walked in 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 disobedience to the word of god god they repent of that they they begin to walk in different festivals and and now it's getting to the point to where it's okay we've repented of our sin now what and so what we're going to see in nehemiah 10 is the people of god begin to covenant with one another actually they sign a covenant put their names to paper on a covenant saying that they're going to obey god in very particular ways They're covenanting together to obey God in in very particular ways. And and I think this is going to be very helpful for us because I think we can identify a lot. Now, not exactly, but a lot with those in Jerusalem in Nehemiah's time because we've got walls built, right? I mean, we we worship securely. We have the freedom to worship today. We do. We've got that. We've got temples many we got buildings and I can't I would love to know the number of church buildings in America in the world so so we've got those things but when it comes to actual faithful obedience to God I think this is where a lot of churches begin to 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 falter to fail and this is why you see a lot of empty church buildings because while we have the security and the means by which to worship God we don't do so rightly we don't do so as He has commanded us to do. We try to worship God in our own way rather than, rather than His way. And, um, and and this is important. It's important to understand that security alone is, is, is not essential for life in Christ. A building alone that, that is not essential for life in Christ. And, and we'll kind of dive into those things and we're, we're talking about just obedience to his word but the first point before I get into the scripture because the first 27 verses are the list of names of those who have signed uh, signed the covenant and if you'll remember if you backed up to, to verse 9 he says because of all this we make a firm covenant in writing uh, on the sealed document are the names of our princes, our Levites and our priests and then chapter 10 the first 27 verses of it list the names I'm not going to read those to you today. You're free to go read those at your own leisure, um, but I'm going to spare you failing to pronounce those names, okay? Uh, but the first point we see is that there is a covenant signed. There is a point to where they come together and say, okay, now I, want to, I don't want to just give lip service to God. I want to say, I'm, 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 I'm writing my name down. I'm signing the covenant. I'm saying, I am going to walk in obedience to God in these particular ways. They're, they're making a firm covenant. Now, what you'll notice is the, the, the list there is, is likely a lot of the leaders, prominent leaders within within Jerusalem. But then in verse 28, it says, the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, they they all end up signing this as well. They come under the the, the oath and the curse, and we'll talk about that in, a, that in a moment. But you see them putting their names on uh, a, a document to covenant that they're going to worship God in in these particular ways, and uh, th- this is this is this, the, the this distinction between those who are in covenant and those who are outside of co- in, of covenant are important. I think it's important. Uh, th- probably the only experience I've had with something like this is when I would go uh, to uh, we had a partner in Sao Paulo, Brazil, outside of Sao Paulo, Brazil, and we'd go there on mission. I'd take students there on mission for years and uh, and and every sunday now some of my brazilian believers you can come tell me if this is like this for every church but for this particular church we would worship together and then we would break out into classes now we had the kids class right but then we had two classes you you were either and it wasn't like our classes you know we've got senior adults we've got if you want to learn about genesis if you got you know if you want this you know what hour do you want what age group are you a student are you a kid not like that they had kids and then they had two classes believers and non-believers and so you would break church and be like are you a believer okay you go to that class non-believer you go to that class and what was so fascinating to me is there was no pushback on that he's like yeah i'm a non-believer i'm gonna go to this class we couldn't do that because i rarely meet the person that's like i'm a non-believer most people i have to convince them no you really don't believe the truth right uh so we, we we maybe it's a cultural thing i don't know but we kind of come into this god idea as if thinking he's cool with us right uh when it's quite the opposite and and so they they make this distinction there and and they're making a distinction here they're saying we are going to be a covenant people we're going to be a people that are going to keep the word of god that is what is going to distinguish us from the surrounding pagans nations around us is that we keep and obey the word of god and this is this is big now I think relatable, not not exactly, but I think relatable is what we do with church membership. Um, we we do church membership here. Matter of fact, we've got a, a membership class coming up on November the seventh, um, and, and so we do church membership here. And what what that is at the heart of it is a covenanting together to say we're going to obey God and His Word in community with one another. We're going to practice the one another's within this community together. We're, we're, we're covenanting together to obey Him in these ways. And uh, and, and so we do that. We, we say, hey, I'm, we're making some, some, some commitments to one another when we do membership. I'm going to commit to... You know, loving you as Christ, loved the, uh, as, as Christ loves His church. We want to love one another and, and lay down our lives for one another. We, we have this whole uh, covenant we, that we signed, that we agreed to, that, man, we're going to walk in ways that honor Christ towards one another. We're going to commit to worshiping Him as He deserves to be worshiped. And, and, and if, God forbid, He moves us from this place, we're going to commit to finding a like-minded church that we could covenant together there. And, and so our church membership, we have that. We have a covenanting together, and it's important. I think it's important uh, in, uh, in, in just, you know, who I'm caring for as, as a pastor, who the elders are care, caring for as elders, that we know who we're going to be held accountable for and how we have cared for their soul, and so you you see kind of the relation there. Here's the people that are covenanting together. We're making these. We believe that God's word says this, and we're going to practice it out together in community. And 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 we have agreed to that, and uh, as, as opposed to those who wouldn't agree with it, right? So you see kind of the covenant keeping keeping thing there. Now let's get into verse 28. Verse 28, which I've already alluded to a little bit, says. The rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all who separated themselves from the peoples of the land to the law of God, their wives, their sons, their daughters, all who have knowledge and understanding, join with their brothers, their nobles, and enter into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law that was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord, our Lord and his rules and his statutes okay first thing I want you to see here is that there are covenant consequences covenant consequences so so you see the, the leaders of the of the, of the Israelites and, the, and and then the rest of the people the singers the Levites they all saw in this covenant they put themselves under a, a curse and an oath and what, what when it's talking about curse it's referring back to Deuteronomy 27 and 20 a, where where it, basically it, it, it warns of several curses that would fall on God's people should they break covenant with God. And essentially, breaking covenant with God, breaking the commandments, um, you know, uh, and then intermarrying with, with pagan nations. Um, You you know all the ways that we see when we read the bible in hindsight that they broke covenant with god And and so they call down these curses on them So they're again submitting to themselves under these under these consequences for breaking covenant Now, how's that? How's that relate? What does that mean for us? Uh, Are christians today? Under god's curse if we if we disobey him are we under the curse of god if we disobey him? I would say yes and no Know uh, in know when it comes to your salvation. If you're in Christ, you're in Christ, uh, and there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. You, you, you know, there's uh, John talks about you are in the hand of Christ, in the hand of God. You you cannot escape that. No man can separate you from from God. So so when it, when it's talking about your salvation, uh, it, it says that uh, about about Christ. It says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse. For us so he became the curse that we should have gotten and uh, and, and instead we get life in christ uh, forever so so salvifically no we don't fall under a curse however there is a principle of you reap what you sow um and and we've seen with god's people particularly last week with nehemiah that the people of god obeyed God for a period of time, then they broke covenant, and 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 God gave them to enemy uh, to, to enemy kings, and they would come to their senses, repent. God would restore them back as a nation, and the cycle would just kind of be put on repeat. So God certainly disciplines those whom He loves. God certainly will not let a believer continue on in his sin without without consequence or discipline and god will use those things in his kindness to lead you to repentance uh, this is why jesus when he taught it's it, you know it's it, it isn't it greater to lose a hand to lose an eye than to, for a whole body to burn in hell like the, the, the god will discipline us he'll help have us walk through things in order f- for us to repent and come back to him for how much greater is it for us to be walking according to his ways than walking in rebellion to him and so 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 yes and no in that in that kind of vein now uh i I will say this that you know this is important because what then do we obey we we as believers bible believing believers uh we obey the scriptures we obey the word of god now let me be more specific here we Obey the whole counsel of god's word what is popular among quote-unquote theologians of our day uh, theologians of our day is to have a cafeteria style theology You, you remember the cafeteria school right you'd go through you'd get your square pizza and you wouldn't get the nasty beans right or the mystery meat you'd leave that and just eat rolls or whatever well that's how a lot of people do theology they're like i like this i don't like this So I'm going to take this, and I'm going to leave this, right? And uh, the problem with that is it leads to heretical thinking. It leads to a lot of uh, thinking you're obeying God when you're really not obeying God, thinking you're leading people in the way of God, and you're not really leading people in the way of God. And so it's dangerous. It's very dangerous uh, to to live and believe this way. But there's a lot of folks doing it. They're like, hey, we're going to avoid the hard topics. Again, just as a little vision drip here, this is why by and large, we'll preach through books of the Bible. So we preach the hard things, right? Uh, we, we think it's important for the whole body to understand the doctrines of uh, biblical manhood and womanhood, the role of the man and the woman in the, in the home and in the church. Those are important things. Most churches won't touch those. The 30-foot pole, the, the doctrine of hell, the doc, you know, all, all these difficult things. We're going to teach those things as the Scripture points those things out and they're necessary because we want to be people that obey the whole counsel of God's word and if we're not obeying him in a certain way we don't want to be ignorant of that we, we want to know so that we can repent and walk according to his way and that's what you have the people of God doing here they're they're, they're submitting themselves again they they've, they've come back to the word of God they're submitting themselves to it and they're walking uh, uh according to his way again and, and submitting to it Now, so, let's let's go to verse 30. Verse 30 says this, We will not give our daughters to the people of the land or take their daughters as our son. And if the peoples of the land bring in goods or any grain on the Sabbath day to sell, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on a holy day. We will forgo the crops of the seventh year and the uh, exaction of every debt. Okay, so there are, are, I think, three practical ways that they're putting rubber to the road here first one is this they're making covenant with their at home covenant at home so they're vowing they're making covenant to not give their sons and daughters away to intermarry with the surrounding pagan nations now i want to be clear here first of all i think i think this is true of the new testament as, as well as the Old Testament, that believers are not to marry unbelievers. I think there's plenty of texts. I mean, when it talks about remarriage at one point, it says remarry in the Lord. Uh, there's another text that says do not be unequally yoked. Th- there is precedent for believers only marrying believers and to not marry non-believers. And, uh, and, and that's, in, that's important. Now, I do want to be clear here. Uh, unequally yoked, is not. It's, this is not a racial issue. I'm going to be very clear on that. This is not a racial issue. This is not, you know, because uh, I don't think a lot of people struggle with this as much anymore, but I just want to be clear. This is not an issue of race. This is an issue of, uh, of spirituality. This is an issue of, uh, will a believer marry a pagan idol worshiper? And God says, no, they shouldn't. And so the people of God here are restricting again and obeying God's word to not let their kids marry, intermarry with people who don't, Follow and worship God. That's uh, that's important, and it was important then. And particularly, you got to understand when they came into the land of Canaan, when they were given the promised land. These warnings were given to them, and 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 most of the times when they rebelled against God, it was because of this issue. They would begin to intermarry with pagan nations. It would dilute their own worship of God, and then they would be led astray uh, into idol worship and pagan worship they begin to replace worship of god with uh, worship of other gods false gods and so this this was huge for their uh continued purity and worship and so they're vowing again to not give their sons and daughters away uh to the pagan idol worshiping nations now as a word to us um and and particularly as a word to those of you who are single um this is an important command for you to covenant to. Um, again, uh, yes, it might be difficult, but th- th- it boils down to do you trust God more than your, than your own ways? And it's not wise to walk in this way. Is it going to send you to hell? No, but it's not wise there is abundant biblical precedent for not uh, even in my own convictions i I have no of course i'll marry believers to believers i have no problem marrying a non-believer to a non-believer i would not marry a believer to a non-believer because i think it's disaster waiting to happen i think it's disaster waiting to happen now some of you are walking in that now uh some of you are like that hasn't been my experience good for you praise be to god um By and large, it is the experience. I I give the analogy. I used to always give this with students when I'm talking about just um, different influence things. But if I had a chair here and I'm standing on the chair and and I'm trying to pull someone up on the chair, it's gonna be much more difficult for me to pull that person up on the chair than for them to pull me off of the chair, right? And this is what, Marrying with an unbelieving spouse is going to constantly be a come to church with me. Can you believe these things about the Bible? Now, let me help you understand something. If you are in that relationship, you're in it. There's not license for divorce here. Uh, You pray fast and seek God. Ask God. Ask the church to pray. Ask the elders to pray that your spouse might be saved. But there's no precedent for divorce there. I would also caution this because this is not just young individuals. I've experienced this a lot with um, older folks who are single, whether you're widowed or, or or whatever. That that because you are walking in a season of loneliness, you compromise conviction here and you marry a unbeliever. I was just tell you it's not wise. It's not wise, and it's not in obedience to God's word. And so. I think it's a great encouragement to us if we're going to, again, let love of God move from, um, uh, you know, kind of this ethereal abstract to actual practical application. This is a huge one. And I can't tell you how many people that I've counseled over the years that are like, yeah, but, you know, he's a good person. Or she's, you know, beautiful, so God will work it out. Man, it's just, it's just It's a disaster it's just not wise um, and, and I'm sure there are plenty of folks in our church that could give testimony to that very thing so, so they covenant at home You know the, the, the commitment to God at home is important the second thing you see is a, is a covenant at work um, so the, 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 the law the Mosaic law prohibited Jews from working on the Sabbath but the one thing that the, the, the Jews were really great at is finding loopholes um, they would find the loophole and they would work the loophole, right? They, they, they were renowned for doing that. And this is a lot of what Jesus is calling them out on. Now, uh, what they were doing here were they weren't working, but they were basically paying these pagans, these idol worshippers, to come in and do the work for them. They, they were basically outsourcing the work and, uh, and making other people work on their behalf. And so they fell under conviction of that, and so they they vow to not do that anymore. They also vow to leave for the farmers to leave the land uh, 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 in Sabbath rest for one year out of seven, which is is crazy. If that's your livelihood, you know it doesn't make sense to the world, but it's a trusting of God in their work that He's going to provide for them in these even in, in these ways that, that God would do more with six years than they could do with seven or 700. And, and so walking and covenanting with God and work is a trusting of God. Now, how does this work out for us? Um, most of you aren't farmers, right? And, uh, and, and obviously we, we have uh, in, in the Ten Commandments um, laws on keeping the Sabbath day holy. Um, now, what I believe about the, the, the relationship of the law and the gospel is that we are not bound to the law, that the law has been entirely fulfilled for us in Christ. Uh, so, so we don't keep the law in the same way that the Jews would have kept the law. We, we don't, we're not trying to keep the law f- for God to be pleased with us, to have right standing with God. That's not what we do. However, uh, principles like the Sabbath are huge for us, and I I think are rightly to be practiced, and should be practiced in our life, that we should have Sabbath rest. It's very easy, if you just begin to kind of evaluate our own design, how God has made us, that we need Sabbath rest. We need rest, and so for us, as the people of God, we want to be intentional about that rest, that it's not just, I want to be clear here, it's not just sitting on a recliner and doing nothing, Though that could be restful, it could also be more tiring. But that rest is an engagement with the one who has won rest for us eternally. It is an engagement with Christ. It is a coming to gather and worship with like-minded believers and giving praise to God, saying, Great are you, Lord, there's nothing better than you, and and, and praising Him for the rest that He has given us and He has won for us. And then spending the day, and I think the day, of concentrated um, intentionality on the Lord and, and not not busying up the schedule a whole bunch on, on on a Sunday. Now again, we're not keeping the same they're not keeping it in the same way that the Jews would have uh, been required to keep it however i think principally this is healthy for us well, this is one thing god is teaching me too uh, in the idea of rest i mean it's not I'm not particularly sabbath rest but for me it's sleeping um god is teaching me to rest i mean what, what we do in first of all the scripture says that he gives to his beloved sleep and what we're doing when we sleep is that we're saying i'm not god because god doesn't sleep now, what I do is I say, yeah, I'll sleep, but um, I, I, I like sleep when I'm sleeping, but I hate to go to sleep. Anybody else like that? Like, I can squeeze two more hours out of this day, right? But really, that, those two hours are like not productive at all. And you get to the end of the two hours, like, I should have went to sleep two hours ago. Like, for me, I try to read, and I end up reading the same paragraph 10 times. And so God is really working on me the importance of, of just resting resting um because if, if you're like me uh you feel sleep is a, a a dip in productivity it's like i could be doing something i could be working this is where we have to stop and say i am not god and he can do far more while i'm sleeping and does far more while i'm sleeping than i can if i never sleep. The same principle applies in the Sabbath. God can do far more in six days than you can in seven or 700. It's a a trust issue. Do we trust God with our work? Do we trust God with how we work? This is not an excuse to be lazy, but it is an excuse to not be God. Do we trust Him? Do we show we trust Him in how we work? Do we show we trust Him in the fact that there are times that we don't work intentionally? That we take our minds off of work? That's important. And that's what the people of God are covenanting to. They're covenanting to come and and, and reestablish Sabbath laws and, and trust God in their rest and in their worship. And I think that's a good principle for us as well. Let's read on. Verse, uh, verse 32. We also take on ourselves the obligation to give yearly, a third part of a shekel, for the service of the house of our God, for the showbread, the regular grain offering, the regular burnt offering, the Sabbaths, the new moons, the appointed feasts, the holy things, And the sin offerings to make atonement for Israel and for all the work of the house of our God. We, the priests, the Levites, and the people, have likewise cast lots for the wood offering to bring it into the house of our God, according to our fathers' houses, at times appointed, year by year, to burn on the altar of the Lord our God, as it is written in the law. We obligate ourselves... To bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all fruit of every tree year by year to the house of the Lord. Also, to bring the house of our God to the priests who minister in the house of our God, the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle, as it is written in the law, and the firstborn of our herds and of our flocks. And to bring the first of our dough and our contributions, the first of every tree, the wine and the oil, to the priests to the chambers of the house of our God, to bring to the Levites the tithes from our ground. For it is the Levites who collect the tithes in all our towns where we labor. And the priest, the son of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites receive the tithes. And the Levites shall bring up the tithe of the tithes to the house of our God, to the chambers of the storehouse." For the people of Israel and the sons of Levi shall bring the contribution of grain, wine, and oil to the chambers where the vessels of the sanctuary are, as well as the priests who minister and the gatekeepers and the singers. We will not neglect the house of our God. We will not neglect the house of our God. I think the third covenant you see here is a covenant at church. Obviously, they had a temple. We have a church, so the point is the covenant at church. And, uh, you know, I think the heart of it is the last part of that verse where it says we will not neglect the house of our God. You know, the house of God occurs in that passage uh, nine times in those verses. We would not neglect the house of our God. Now, specifically, what were they agreeing to? They were agreeing to pay a temple tax of one third of a shekel annually. They agreed to provide for the burnt offerings and a rotational system to keep the the offering on the on the temple of fire burning, and uh, and and then they agreed to bring the first fruits of the produce, the ground and the trees fruit. Uh, they dedicated their firstborn children and their firstborn animals to the Lord and um, as, the, as the law had directed them, and they agreed to pay their tithes to support, uh, to support the temple. So one of the things that they were covenanting to was to not neglect the house of the Lord, which they had been doing. They had been keeping for themselves all of their, all the, all, all the fruit of their labor, all, the, all that they had grown, all that they had labored for, they were keeping it all. So, they were covenanting together, again, to not neglect the house of the Lord. They saw that they were walking in sin, they repented, and now they're walking in obedience. Now, this, this again, is important. And what I want to get, what I want to help you understand is, again, is this is a trust issue. This is a trust issue. When we're talking about our own generosity, when we're talking about our own resources, when we're talking about covenanting uh, in our own ways and how to not neglect the house of the Lord, which I'll talk about in just a second. It's a, it's a heart issue. It's a trust issue here. And do we trust God? Do we trust God to not work seven days a week, 365 days a year? Do we trust God to not marry a non-believer and, and, and to wait and to, to know that His way is best? Do we trust God in being generous and giving back to what he, from what He has given us? To, to do, if, we, if, we, if we walk in the tithe, to, uh, just for numbers' sake that 90% is more when it comes from God than 100% can ever be in our own strength in our own power do we trust God to, to provide for us in those ways so this is a trust issue and they're so they're covenanting uh, uh, together again to trust God in the ways that he has commanded them to trust him these are these are heart issues from the people of God these are heart issues for the people of God. Now, how does this play out for us? Because, uh, obviously, we're not an agricultural society, and I'm not going to hit on this a lot because I'm teaching about this in a couple of weeks. Uh, we're not an agricultural society, so you're not, most of you are not farming the land. Some of you are. Uh, most of you are not farming the land, so you're not going to bring me, and I, I wouldn't want you to bring me a sack of grain, okay? Uh, you could bring wine if you want, but not a sack of grain. Um, oil, maybe. But, uh, but, 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 you know, we're not agricultural. So, so how it plays out for us is is the resources that God has given us, primarily financial, money, uh, resources, but not just money. Time, serving, uh, all the other things, our children, our home, cars, if you you know. Th- th- we're saying whatever we can be a part of to not neglect the house of the Lord, we want to be a part of. Now, what does that mean for us? We're obviously in a different different world we're not housing the very presence of god in a in in a temple made by hands that has changed we now house the presence of god in in this temple right so this building is a building it's just a building uh you know i remember when i first started being a youth pastor i was 19 years old and one of the things that i'd always remember the old ladies yelling at the kids saying don't run in god's house right and i'm like does he live here I'm, i'm so confused right and I'm like there's like 14 leaks in the roof and you're worried about a kid running through the uh oh, anyway and so, so it, it, you know, it's so we're different in this in that the 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 house of the Lord or or uh, is is now the church, and, and the church is not a building. The church is is the people, the gathering of people. So when we're talking about not neglecting the house of our Lord, what we're talking about is we're talking about the giving unto delighting, discipling, and declaring the gospel. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about raising up those in the church to know the word more, to be discipled in Christ, to to. Further, be conformed to the image of Christ, to further be equipped to battle sin and to walk in righteousness. And, and that's what we're giving to. And then further to declare the gospel from Boynton Beach and beyond, that we want to be giving in such a way that the house of the Lord isn't just contained to these people, but it continues to grow to everyone outside of these walls. And so that's what it... Now, obviously... Pragmatically, We meet in a building that, yes, there are leaks and there's a lights out and things that need to be replaced. But but by and large, what we want to continue to do is give unto the gospel being spread. And, and, and if this building can't do that, then let's get rid of the building. <laughs> so the goal here is to delight, disciple, and declare and, and, and to take the gospel from here to the ends of the world. If this building is not a part of this, that vision, let's sell it and meet in a school. I mean but but for now God has given us the building so, so some of it has to I mean we got to keep the lights on and so so some of that what you give goes to that but by and large our mission is the gospel we want the gospel to be preached and known here so we're conformed in the image of Christ and, and the gospel to be preached louder and further out there that's what that's what the generosity of the people covenanting together and giving unto the church does and and uh, and again, um, uh, maybe some of you knew, new, some of you are guests, so if you haven't heard me say this. I say this probably every time I talk about money. Um, I don't want your money. God doesn't want your money. Your heart is more important than your dollar. And if I was to label what is the greatest idol of our culture, it is the dollar. You want evidence? Scroll your Facebook and see how many people are complaining about gas prices. That's the way to your heart. That's the way to your heart. And so, if I'm shooting an arrow at the greatest idol of our culture, it's that. And so, when we're generous, when we give, it's simply a trusting of God, it's a walking in his ways. It's a saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to walk in obedience in this way like every other way. I don't just love God in theory. I don't just, I, just don't, I don't just love God in the abstract. But rubber meets the road in many ways in my life, and being generous is one of those ways. One of the things I do want to point out, if you'll notice, um, I read some conflicting things on the context of this, but it talks about the Levites bringing a tithe of the tithe into the storehouse. I want you to understand, maybe you don't know this, I don't ask you to do something I don't do. Meaning, the things I'm preaching about generosity, we do as a family. Tithe, supporting missionaries, why? Because I don't want money, greed, to have my heart and I want the gospel to go <laughs> and so I'm not asking you to do something I don't do I'm not asking you to do something that my family doesn't do and so I, I you know I think you see that some with the Levites here too that they're they 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 take a portion a tithe of the tithe and they they use it for and give it unto the Lord and so you, you know I'm not asking you to do anything I'm not doing so so you see the rubber meat in the road here in home in work and at church, and and uh, and and what I want to stress in closing is is simply this: uh, maybe you walked in here today and and you just said, "Okay, I can I can keep I can keep these rules. These are great rules. I'll keep them." Then you've missed the gospel. The gospel is this: that none of us are good, no, not one. None of us are righteous, no, not one. And so no amount of covenant keeping, law keeping, do gooding, merit working, none of those things will be good enough to give you right standing before almighty God. You could be the best, you could be the Mother Teresa of humans, and if you don't know Christ, you will be as dark in your sin as as, as any sinner. It's not about the works. But here's what the gospel does. It saves sinners, regenerates our hearts, takes us from dead to life, alive. We were blind, but now we see. And it takes a people and makes them a covenant-making, covenant-keeping people. Now, we won't do that perfectly, but it's the power of God in those who believe that works in us righteousness and and sanctification and so and and you know this to be true if you if you have come to christ or 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 any time of you've had a a time of spiritual renewal you worship god you praise him you 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 love him for the things that he has done in your life and then you say okay now here's what i'm gonna do and you begin to whatever those things are i'm gonna read my bible i want to i want to pray i want to give i want to whatever those things are and it's a natural response for those who have been saved to say i want not not for salvation but because i'm saved i want to spend my life in service of god he doesn't need it i want to give it that's what the gospel does it makes a covenant keeping covet covenant covenant making covenant keeping people this is also how you know that you are saved do you have any inclination towards obeying god's word because if you don't you just love the idea of god but you don't really want to walk in obedience to him um, th- that's that's not what salvation looks like it, 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 you know it's, if there is no change in your heart and life there you're probably not saved If you could take or leave God, if you could take or leave church, if I offered to you and I said, I'm going to stack this whole stage from floor to ceiling with $100 bills all the way to the top, and I said, you can have that or you can have God, which would you rather? It's important. Because where is your heart? Are you his people? For those who have been saved want him above everything else and they can proclaim what we sang earlier. There is nothing better than you. Not a million dollars, not, not hundreds of dollars stacked from here to the ceiling. Not a life of comfort. Not, not any relationship. Not any amount of influence or career success there is nothing better than you not compromising in relationships not trying to work extra there is nothing better than him and what we want to be as the people of God is a people who have covenanted under that we've been saved by him There's nothing better than him. We want to give our whole lives to him. We want to make sure he has full obedience of our heart. Are we going to do that perfectly? No. But when we do, God would lead us in his kindness to repentance, and we'll walk in it again. Church, we want to be a people that doesn't just talk about God and do nothing. We don't want to just love God in theology and theory and what we can study about Him, and it leads to no joyful action. Those things go together. So may we pray that God would call us to letting some rubber meet the road in our own lives. What's He calling you to in obedience to His Word? Let's pray together. Father, we desire to be the reflection of Christ in our homes, to our spouses, to our children, to our neighbors. We desire to be the reflection of Christ in our workplaces, that we would be business leaders that don't operate like the world. We would be employees that aren't trying to stick it to the man but that we serve a higher authority. And so we would work as though we work unto the Lord in a way that reflects Christ and honors you. We want to be a reflection of Christ in our church. That we are a group of people that covenant together to see the gospel go into all nations so that we can see more people come to Christ more people walk in obedience and baptism Father would you just continue to keep your hand on each person in this room and, and, and begin to just show them the ways in which they need to walk in obedience to you and the whole counsel of your word. I pray in the, in the portions of scripture where our feelings are contrary to your word that you would align our heart and our feelings with your word. For your way is best every time, every day, in every culture. So, may we love it, live it, and honor you. We won't be perfect, but may we honor you with our walk in obedience to the Word of God. Lord, if there is someone in here that hasn't been saved, I pray that they haven't heard just another works based add to their list of do to-do lists religion, but they would realize they can't they can't climb that mountain. It's too high. They can't be right with you without entire dependency, faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Would you move to save today, God? We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.